Payback Time is a podcast about building businesses, wealth, and financial freedom. We try to uncover the challenges our guests faced, the mistakes they made, and the steps they took to achieve their goals. The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to your own success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's Payback Time. All right. In this podcast, we have a retail investor on the show. His name is Sean Murphy. He's going to share a little bit about his background, and then we're going to dive into his investment strategy. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate you having me on. So why don't you go ahead, tell us a little bit about your background and what do you do for a living? So my background, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps, retired back in 2014, got onto the railroad, uh, which is pretty typical. A lot of military get on at the Union environment. And then I dealt with the COVID just like everybody else. People stopped riding trains and went back to a culture. So I'm currently manager for the largest staffing firm in the North country of New York. Got it. Okay. So your background is in staffing and recruiting. What industry would that be? So we're very heavily focused in the industrial manufacturing, warehousing, production world, Uh, whether that be entry-level blue-collar, white-collar, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, getting into executive C-suite, that upper management level. I just recently helped a advanced manufacturer find a new director of operation. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. And the reason I ask that question is sometimes I'd like to drill in a little more to understand what what people's knowledge area is, what what industries they know, because that can actually help your investment strategy quite a bit. Um, but speaking of investment strategy, let's go ahead and dive in here. We really want to help the retail investor. When did you first get started with investing? Well, it's kind of twofold. So the first time I ever heard about investing, I was actually in high school. And um, one of my sons, it was funny, one of my sons just got this through the school. It was a program where you put $10 of your money in it, and they gave you $10,000 fake money, and you could invest in this. And it was a 10-week program. And all you had to really go off of back then was the newspaper. And you looked at the newspaper and you saw what the numbers were and you wrote your slip and gave it to the teacher. Well, I was able to make uh, in 10 weeks, $10 got you a hundred thousand because that's what it was. Cause I made $10,000 off of a hundred thousand dollar investment. And at that point I put it almost all in Motorola. Okay. It was like 93, put it all in Motorola and I killed it. Like just made gobs of money. Through the 90s. And and so real dollar amount, because uh, people like to know this, how much money did you really start with at that point? Are we talking like a thousand bucks? No, it was, it was, they gave you a hundred thousand. They gave you a hundred thousand to use per se. It wasn't like really money. Um, so I really made $10,000 in the early 90s. I mean, you figure 10% return in sure. 10 weeks, find me a bank that could do you that. But I didn't get back into it again till I think I did little things like uh, CDs and stuff like that, and sure. little things. But I didn't start getting back back into investments till probably two th- uh, twenty twenty. I got back into it. Uh, just I got tired of listening to everybody else talk about all the money they had. Sure, sure. It, well, we got a big delta between the two time periods. I just want to touch on the that it sounded like a simulation, like this was an exercise you did in yeah. high school. God, I wasn't mm-hmm. actually 
just a rephrase here, wasn't real money or right. Right. Got it. Okay. All right. And Motorola, did you, and I have to run through the simulation here. Did you see what happened to it during the dot-com bust? No. So by that point I okay. was in the Marine Corps, I wasn't really paying Got attention it. to it. I hung my hat on that. And you talked about industries you knew. Well, I invested in Motorola because Motorola made pagers. Yes. And I knew what a Motorola pager was and everybody I knew had one. So in my mind, it was simple enough that well, everybody in my school has a pager. They're all Motorola's. I mean, to go get a Motorola pager. Sure. I need to invest in Motorola. Gosh, remember those days? I never <laughs> had a pager. <laughs> no? Oh, God, we all had them back then. No, I, through high school, actually, I graduated in 2001 and very few people even had cell phones at that point. It was like oh. when we entered college right after high school, there there was the the trend of these Nokia. They're like little bricks. Yes. The green ones, <laughs> the green screen. <laughs> yes, indeed. Interesting. Yeah, I, I love to learn what people do for a living and where they have experience because you kind of want to lean into that because you can understand what what's going to do well in an industry and what's not. It just makes it a little easier on yourself. But let's continue working through uh, some of the questions that I got teed up here. So going back or getting back into the market in 2020, you had 20 years solid in the Marines, which I'm sure kept you busy. So you didn't have time to really look at the market. But 2020, why why at that point did you show interest in the market? You know, I, what it really was for me was a gentleman that I worked with. And at that time, I was on the railroad. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of investors on the railroad. There's a lot. Like of any industry that I've ever worked in, that was the largest amount of employees that talked about investing in disposable income, putting money away, and really just getting into it. And I listened to all these guys. They were in this and they were in that. And a good buddy of mine, Jimmy, I'll never forget him. We were in we were getting our stuff ready for work one day and he goes, man, I just had to pay $300,000 in fees, penalties for moving money. And I knew what he was talking about. I said, you just moved $3 million. And he goes, he looked at me and I went, he goes, shut up. And I was like, cause he didn't realize when he was saying he was talking to and that I knew what I was talking about. And we got to talking and he was a way early Apple investor, mm. like 90s. There's something going on here, Apple investor. And he's, you know, he still works every day and enjoys his work, but he's very affluential now. And we talked and I said, you know, and, and here I was, I was in a situation where I was like, I've got a little bit of money. I don't, I am truly the retail investor. I don't have tens and twenty thousands of dollars to drop into the market and hedge it on this, that, and the other. $150 a month. That's where I started at. $150 a month. And he was kind of the guy who said that to me. He said, Don't put your whole your whole paycheck in there. There's no reason for that. He goes, figure out a number that works for you and slowly but surely buy things. So that's what I did. You know, and I, I called in with the the, what was it? The, the Chinese electric vehicles for a little bit in the 2020. And I was making money a little bit there, but that's how I started was just listening to other people talking and going, I'm missing something. I need to figure out what it is. Got it. Okay. And what uh, is your strategy? What, what did you invest in and, and why essentially? Well, initially I, I started with, you know, 
listening to people that knew. So I started buying Apple stock when it was around 120, 130, you know, even when it was a little lower. And I did a little bit of the looking, you know, and you, you listen, there's a lot of, uh, gosh, I can't think of the name. I, I, they're, they're symbols like a jester or something like that. And I looked at some of these sites and everything and, and listened to what they said. And they were all like, we got this thing. We got this thing. And then I realized after talking to people that had money, look at the most, for me, it was look at what is most stable and buy it as you can afford it. Whatever you can afford. If you can afford 150 like I did, great. If you could afford 350, sure. same. But it was, I look at what's most stable and I looked at what things the government wouldn't let fail. Mm. If the government's not going to let it fail, then it's probably worth at least a dollar. <laughs> at, at least a dollar. Sure. So, so I use that mindset and sure. that's, that's how I started was talk to people who know what they're doing. And for me, it was who won't the government let fail? Could you imagine I, if Apple failed? All right. Yeah. There's a lot of people that depend on that company. Yep. So I, I like that strategy. What companies uh, will the government not allow to fail? That's good. The stability point. Let's dive into that a little bit. So what to you classifies a company as stable? Um, to me is who all do you know that's using it? That's one thing. If you can walk in the house and I can say, you know, what we're talking on Zoom, right? I can say Zoom and everybody knows who Zoom is. Well, it sounds like it's a fairly stable company to me. Whereas if I walked in and said, hey, I'm going to talk to you today on Zing. And you went, I don't know who that is. Man, they're just like Zoom. Well, I don't know who that is. I'm probably not going to put my money in it. There you go. That, that's my simple. Smart. I love that strategy because that's where a lot of people get lured into is they'll, and we saw this with marijuana stocks way back, you know, we're talking three, four years. Somebody would be like, oh, it's, oh, it's a company that's supposed to be like this, but they're on the ground level and you can get there too. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. My son did that. My son bought into a real estate company that was supposedly buying up land. So they were a real estate company. That was what they were supposed to be, but they were buying land for marijuana growth. And he's like, oh, dad, I'm into this. And he had money. Yep. Didn't work out. Yep. A lot of people do that all the time. And the next tech thing, the next EV, people are always asking me, what's the next Tesla? What, what is the next EV company? It's like, no, you want to look at stability. And fortunately, we, we had ticker. We look at the financials to make sure they're stable. They have a strong income statement, cash flow statement and balance sheet. So look at yeah. GE. That's my, that's the one that I kick myself in the pants for missing. <laughs> I'm, I'm here in, I connect these not far from me. So that's where they're headquartered at. That's a perfect example. They were down to like single digit cost for a share, like $9 a share not long ago. And I think I'd have to look on my, my phone, but I think they're over $100 a share in the last couple of years. There's an example of the government can't afford for them to fail. Um, you're talking GE, right? Yeah. What are they at today? Like, if they had a low not long ago. I think it was like 9 or $10 a share. Um, they're at 76 there you go. right now, um, but they were... Back in 2017, I see here um, over $200 a share. So, but I think they didn't they hit a, a super low though. 
Um, I'm looking here. I'm I'm going back to their their chart. I'm just look, I, I got to look. Maybe I'm wrong. Actually, it's funny as I'm pulling this up. G actually today is at this its lowest at seventy six point zero seven. So maybe I'm thinking of another one. But I, oh, there it is. Their sixty year stock history. But I know there was one that was like that. Your your comment is sound though because there's a story I really like of a guy by the name of Robert Reed. This this is going to impress you. Some of our listeners probably heard me tell the story before, so I'll keep it short. But Ronald Reed was a janitor and he amassed a wealth of over $8 million. How do you do that? Well, he had the sound advice to invest in solid, stable businesses. These are stable businesses that are staples, kind of like the Warren Buffett strategy, like people need paper towelling and toilet paper and tissues, right? Like you can't go without those things. Well, you can, but I mean, life would be a little uncomfortable, <laughs> but it's a lot of leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So in this case, it's like you invest in those things. You look at GE, they manufacture, I, I, I used to work for the company healthcare as a division, but they, they have microwaves and refrigerators and, and plane engines and the so on and so forth. That's like, that's a stable company. Of course, their stock hasn't performed well in the recent years, but if you invested in the eighties and nineties, you'd be sitting in a great spot. They're still ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. And they're like, well, well, I don't know if I'm going to invest. It's a billionaire's game. It won't lose. Mm-hmm. You might lose a little bit today, but I promise you, do you, we're about seven years apart in age. Sure. I can still remember when the stock market hit 10,000 points and it mm-hmm. made news. What is it today? Over 30, 40,000, something yeah. crazy like yeah. that. Like, I, I have to, I'd have to, but it's got to be like almost 40. I know we've had some, some bad days here of late. What is it today? Right. 33,000 for the Dow, 33,406 at this moment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, and it's way better. Look, this is, it's an okay thing to do, people. <laughs> you can do it. Right. It's, it's the number one wealth building strategy in the world. I, I have an article that we, we like to direct people to that. If they're unsure if they want to be a trader or investor, and there's a bunch of reasons on the difference. One is a point out is like trading is still a job. You got to sit behind the computer, look at charts and graphs. So you're working for money, whereas investing, you flip the equation and money's working for you. That's what you want. But the key point I always like to raise with people is there's over 3000 billionaires in the world. Guess how many of those billionaires are traders and guess how many of those billionaires are investors? Oh, it's got to be 99% to one. <laughs> it's got to be something crazy like that. It's, it's, well, first, there are zero billionaire traders, right? And with investors, it's a nice split between investors and entrepreneurs, which are essentially, at the end of the day, they're investing in themselves, their own business. So could they be classified as investors? Eh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. so. I, nobody likes me more than I do. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Um, I want to jump back to your portfolio. You invested in Apple. Can you share what other stocks are you investing in or is that it? Yeah. Uh, well, right now I, I, I've had three that okay. I kept for a while. One I recently got rid of only because, you know, it was performing well for me. And then again, and this is my own, this is my own gambler's mentality. I hung on for a little too long and it was the ticker was DVAX, uh, DIVX. I think it's okay. how you pronounced it. And I still think that they'll make a comeback only because they're working on a patch 
for uh, a subdermal patch for people with peanut allergies. Hmm. It, it, right. That was my reaction. And it, it did well. It was, it was up around 20 some dollars a share at one point. And I was like, Oh man, cause if you really think about it as a parent, you know, we deal with our kids going to school and their special peanut free tables and all this, sure. you know, if they can really come up with this, what would that be like for a kid who has this? I mean, that's, they'll, they'll take over a market. I had them, but really for the most part, Apple and plug power. Plug power. Okay. Plug power is about as high risk as I go. Tell us about that company a little bit. So they're, they're another local here to uh, where I live at in the Albany Capital Region company. And they are in the hydrogen battery uh, industry. So the more we keep talking green and green energy, that's them. And again, this is a company that talk to people who understand investing way, way more than I do, looked at the numbers. They've kind of been floating in that 20 some dollar now uh, market. They have bumped up real high. They had something years ago where they went from like a super low number to like over a hundred and some dollars a share and then fell right back down. Uh, they had one of those, but for the most part, they're right in there. And, and I have a good buddy of mine who's, uh, you know, it's, it's his investing friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, sure. but it's not one of those, but a good friend of mine who his brother-in-law is in one of these big investment hedge fund kind of world. I don't understand all of it. And the guy was like, yeah, they should be when it's all settled, there'll be a 40 some dollar a share company, which isn't crazy. But if you're the guy who has $150 a month to spend, well, that's four or five shares right now. I can keep picking up and picking up and picking up sure. and putting putting them away. Even if it goes from 22 to 30, I win. I'm winning. Yep. Yep. And that's just, that's about as high risk as I go is something like that, that not everybody knows who plug power is, but we're talking so much green energy. I think they're, they, they're well enough established in the market. Sure. I'm jumping over to ticker here to see what we're looking at. Um, is the ticker symbol plug? Let me double check. Let me double check myself. Yep, it's PLUG. It They're up four cents today. Okay, <laughs> cha-ching. Um, Making that money. With plug, we're looking at, ticker has a scoring system. As of today, it's between zero and 20. It's at a seven, which is pretty pretty low. low. And then the margin of safety is at 1%. So not a whole lot of upside potential based on the financials, but it sounds like you've got strong conv conviction on the business model. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. And I would agree with you. So they've gone through, they're one of those ones that I'd have to pull all the news on them, but I think not long ago they were involved in like selling shares or, or something like that. Like some weird, you know, giving a low rate to somebody to buy shares kind of, mm. kind of a deal. Like I said, I don't know all of it. I know that if I look and you're really stable and you've been around a long time, that means other really wealthy people have money invested in you and they don't want to see you fail either. So I probably should put money there too. That's just it. Is there's people that have literally followed the Warren Buffett money trail. In other words, they're investing in what he invests in. And in pretty much most cases, you're not going to lose. He's had, I was actually listening to um, We Study Billionaires as a podcast I sometimes throw okay. in. They're talking about some of the losses that Warren Buffett has made through the years or a few businesses. Um, uh, another textile business aside from 
Berkshire Hathaway that was a complete dud, which he's upset that he even <laughs> went forward with. We are all human is the the um, principle here. And we we make some good investments. We make some bad ones. But most of his investments have, have done very well. So, okay, that that's a sound strategy. I do like that. Follow some of the other big guys. Um, you got about three stocks down to two, it sounds like, is your portfolio. Mm-hmm. I love Apple. Just real quick here. I, we're going to check on the financials here in ticker. See what we're sitting at. Um, 15 out of 20, which is really good. And its margin of safety is now 78%. So it looks like I think they're... Um, they did go up a little bit on their score. They had a good earnings report this week. So yeah, that was uh, just came out yesterday. Yeah, they, yeah. They went up like seven dollars a share yesterday. They're down three dollars today, but they were like up seven dollars a share yesterday. Off they were. It was it was a nice bump. And um, this is a stock I hold in my portfolio. I tell you what, I wish I would have invested in this back in the early two thousands. <laughs> you and me both. We probably wouldn't be talking today. Right. Exactly. All right. Um, here's another question. When was your last investment? Um, first of the month, every month. I, I nice. put that 150 in there once a month. I put my money in there. I'll peek at it. But mm-hmm. uh, what, what's the saying? Uh, a watch pot doesn't boil. Sure. Right. Same idea. I, I don't stare at it a lot because if I do, I feel like, oh, my God, it's down. It's down three dollars. And it is crazy. Like, I'm going to lose my money. Three dollars. It, exact, well, you're focused on the long term here. Like you learned from your friends or associates who built up a, a portfolio of $3 million by going into Apple. You know, I, I do know other people. They, they had some wisdom from their parents. And there's one particular friend of mine. She did the same thing. She just kept buying Apple, doesn't have a really any experience investing, just it's a stable business. It's a stock that a lot of people uh, can get behind. And she's got close to a million dollars now. Um, Beautiful thing. Yeah, right. Compound interest working for you. So you invest 150 per month. Do you ever, do you have um, a strategy in place to increase that to like a higher percentage? Like, for example, at Ticker, we try to get people to invest like, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30% of their income per month just to make sure they're getting that compounding momentum. I have other investments. Okay. So like I have, you know, the Roth IRA. Okay. Like my company does does a match on my traditional 401k. I have I have a couple of other things that I've diversified. So for for me right now, probably no, I'll I'll stay with with what I have and won't go mm-hmm. won't go much beyond that. You know, if Got I it. do it'll be more, you know, like Hey, the apples at one sixty, so I'll throw an extra twenty dollars in there, so I can make sure, sure, you know, I got the money to cover it. It'll be sure. more in, in those lines. Got it. Yeah, and in your circumstance, that that's a smart play. You've got a nice, uh, diverse portfolio there. A four hundred one k match. You do have the Roth. I also have a Roth as well. You you pay those taxes today, so you can take out what you want when you get to a certain age. You also, being in the military, there's a pension there. Is that correct? Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. I got my pension from there. I get my insurance. Sure. My health insurance is from there. So, you know, and that's probably part of why I didn't invest a lot when I was younger. Sure. Is what do I need to do that for? I got a pension coming. Right on. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. 
If you ever considered investing on your own, but don't know where to start, Ticker is your solution. Ticker safely guides you through your investment journey by finding great stocks and showing you why those stocks are on sale, giving you the confidence that you're making a wise investment. I created Ticker because, number one, I wanted to remove emotions from investing. In other words, I wanted a software to make buying and selling decisions for me so I don't have to. And number two, I wanted to save time. Analyzing stocks can take hours, if not days, and I didn't want to spend all day looking at a computer. I have other hobbies in life I'd rather be enjoying. I've been using Ticker the last five years to generate average returns ranging between 15% and 50% per year. Seeing that I was generating consistent high returns multiple years in a row motivated me to turn this software into a tool to share with others. If you're interested, you can get started with a free trial. Visit ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, ticker.com. All right. So you, this question might be harder to ask, but I've got, what is your biggest challenge or mistake? And then what was your biggest success? We'll start with the first question. Probably mistake isn't applicable in your case because you, you're kind of new here since 2020. And I'd say the stocks, Apple's a big win. The other two are maybe so, so I won't call them mistakes, but let's talk about a challenge. What is the biggest challenge you faced with investing in the stock market? Knowing where, knowing where to start at, you know, like I said, I, I had friends I could ask about it, but that first time you put money in there and you're like, okay, I'm going to buy this, this share. I'm going to buy this share of Apple. And day one, you buy it, it's $140. The next day, it's $135 for that share. You're like, I just lost money. What the heck am I doing here? You guys said this was going to make money. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the first real like, man, I got to get, and then you realize, and then somebody says to you, we well, relax. And you realize the next day it's worth $142. Right. And that's when I finally, that's when for me, it became a, a very much a, you know what? I'll just keep putting the money in there. It will grow. It'll get there. So, so wait, you, you thought, and I'm just being somewhat sarcastic here, but you thought that you invest in every day thereafter to the end of time that that share goes up. It never right, goes up. Yeah, like it's supposed to go up. Like this should just keep going up. I don't understand. I don't they understand. will go up every single day. There's not a negative day. No, never. You have my money now. I mean, you, you're supposed to it's supposed to grow. It, yeah. Right? What's wrong with you? Yeah, what's wrong with you people? This yeah. is my money you have. Do you not understand? Um, this is gas. Right, right. Um, next question relates to your biggest investment success. I might be able to answer that for you because I really think Apple is is a big success. Was there anything else over the last 20 years you invested in outside of the market? I'm just curious. Well, you know what? It, for me, I, I've done well in paying attention to my age. Now, it might sound odd to say it that way, but investing aggressively at a young age. So like when I started putting into my 401k, I was the guy that they were like, well, well, what do you want? How do you want to put it in there? You know, da, 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 da. all these different things. I was like, I need the highest risk, most aggressive mm-hmm. plans that, that you have. And a lot of times, you know, these investment people were kind of like, you sure? I'm like, yes. Cause again, I know it's not going to fail. It, it may not make, it might make 5% this year. Next year, it's going to make 17%. 
over time, you look at these things three to five years, most of them are progressing. If they're not, whoever was running the thing is going to get fired and they're going to find somebody else to run it. So I went with very, very aggressive right up front with my invest. The younger you are, the more aggressive you need to be. That is a brilliant strategy. I actually, there's there's people out there in the finance world that can frown upon 401ks and they're like, well, the fees, you know, the fees add up. It's like, if you can get a match, number one, and number two, you hit it on the head. As I tell people, go in a 401k, go aggressive because it's still somewhat safe. And I'll explain that real quick because you do have a bundle of, yes, probably a lot of tech stocks, but there's going to be a lot of stable tech stocks in that business. And you're going to see that ride up really fast. And sure, it'll it'll pull back a little bit. It won't look so great some days, but it's still better than the conservative option. When I see people going to the conservative in a 401k, I'm like, ah, uh-uh, no, yeah. do not. I started with uh, the 401k life plans. Do you remember those? Uh, I've heard of it. I, I and touched it. So, like the 401k life plans were, were big life cycle plans. And, well, I want to be retired by this day. And, uh, and, and once you, you put into it, it's like, it was supposed to like be real aggressive now. And then as you got older, it shifted. And I thought those were a great idea until a friend of mine was like, why? why? Just be aggressive. Stop playing games with it. Just large cap, aggressive, go. Yep. And that worked best for me. That just worked best for me. Yeah, I'm seeing people build their wealth pretty fast just by doing that strategy. With Ticker, we're all about investing in individual stocks, kind of what you're doing on the side. And you can see some really fast growth. But if you can still get the match, you know, your company's throwing money in there with you. That's awesome. And then a little more aggressive is that's a smart play. So yeah, I would say that that was a great, great decision. All right. Here's one for you. How do you manage your emotions? It's kind of what what I said was boiling pot or wash pot doesn't boil. Don't look at it. If you're like Sean and you you can kind of manipulate it and you can look at it and you can process the information real well, go for it. The other side, I have an investment uh, guy. I have a friend of mine. We become friends, uh, Mike, and he does wealth management. And the only thing he doesn't touch is my stocks. Those are mine. That's mm-hmm. for me to to mess with. But I got a wealth management person that it's every bit worth it in my mind. I, I use the saying of I don't do my own dentistry. <laughs> nice. So you know, unless you've got all the time and you're, and it, you know, it becomes your thing. I don't have time. So there you go. You manage that for me. I have the apps. I can double check it. That is, you know, we, we do have customers that they still work with an advisor, which is great. And then they do investing on their own. But that advisor is, you know, when I talk to people on the reason why they really like it, somebody to kind of help them um, coach them through emotional moments. Yeah. You know, like the market has been super volatile the last three months. Just somebody to kind of like, as one friend said, somebody who can talk me off the ledge. Like I get that <laughs> feeling like I'm going to, I'm going to sell everything when it's down, I'm going to do it. And the advisor would be like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes on. Like <laughs> yeah. you want to hold. And if you can, you want to be buying more now, not selling. So it, they take the emotion out of it for you. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for giving us a little information here about investing. Let's jump into a bunch of fun questions. First up, what is the favorite podcast you listen to? I mean, well, I got to, it would be my own, the Above the Bar oh, podcast. come on. You, if you don't actually buddy. listen to your own. <laughs> no, but I would probably say um, 
if I'm, if I'm, so I listen to a couple of different ones. So if I'm looking for more education on the work I do for staffing, mm-hmm. there's one called uh, Recruiting Trailblazers with Mark Edwards or Marcus Edwards. He's out in uh, Silicon Valley area and really just a knowledgeable, knowledgeable guy on that type of work and with that type of stuff. And the guy's got it figured out. So I love listening to him because he always just has people in my industry. So it's language that I understand. But uh, if I'm looking for fun, just, you know, listen to something, listen to something. I'm very into a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of different fun ones. Like I'm getting ready uh, to interview the uh, Dungeon Master for one called Here for the Rolls. I like that. There's a hilarious one called Dungeons and Daddies, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, my kids got me to listen to probably the biggest one out there in all of it, which is called Critical Roles, which is the biggest in that space. They just turned their show into an animated series on Amazon. No kidding. Wow. It, it's all, they're all voice actors. Sure. So, so they're all voice actors. So they're doing different voices. So, yeah, they're rolling dice and doing all those things, but it almost is more showish because they're all voice actors. They're all actors. They all know how to do that stuff. Sure, sure. That's Very mine. interesting. I know there's there's a big following on Dungeons and Dragons out there. There has been for decades. Oh yeah, for sure. It just keeps growing. Yeah. Um, how about a recent book you read and would recommend? So I'm a big comic book dork. I love okay. my comic books. Uh, I will never deny that. And I've been reading. Probably the two best, most recent one I read is going to be Oblivion Song, which is actually by Robert Kirkman, who is the creator of Walking Dead. Okay. And it's just such a unique story of, as this story has gone along about a alien race whose entire planet is being destroyed by a fungus. And they don't know how to fix it other than to, they realize that, well, we can just hop over to their planet. And we can kind of merge them and we'll just go over there and we'll take over your stuff. We're hmm. higher technology than you, but they're learning otherwise. Sure, sure. That's great, great one. You, um, you'd be the first on the podcast that mentioned a comic book of all the books. So well, right on. It's, it's unique. I mean, a lot of people don't realize. Do you know who Neil Gaiman is? Mm-hmm. So Neil Gaiman writes like amazing books like um, American Gods with Neil Gaiman. Um sure. Not like he's got like all these crazy, amazing book series out there. Gods and Omens, that was on Amazon. That was Mm -hmm. a book by him. That's Neil Gaiman. Well, the other side to it is Neil Gaiman writes comic books. Gotcha. Okay. American Gods is a show, right? It's a show and it's a book series. Got it. Right. Um, That's it. It's always unique. A lot of those writers you start to find nowadays are really crossing platforms that way. Sure. Nice. Um, next question here. This might be a quick dovetail. We'll see if it falls in the comic book universe. What is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? There's so many. Like that's a tough one. Um, so I see. I have to get into genres, but you know, my, my favorite ones are like love. Still love Goonies. I still think right. Goonies is amazing. Still think Willy Wonka is amazing, and I still think Young Guns is one of the most amazing westerns ever made. And I own it probably, probably, I guess all, of all time, Dune. I own Dune in every way you've ever seen the movie Dune produced. 
So, okay, we could spend another podcast on this subject because I'm a total movie nerd. Before Dune came out, you know, it's pushed back. I'm like, that right there is the movie of the year, the new one. We're not, yeah. I saw the 1984 version, but this latest with Denny Velenu nailed it. Yeah. 100%. It was incredible. Movie of the year, for sure. Uh, and it won a lot of awards uh, for exactly that. Visually, yes. it is the prettiest movie I've ever seen the new one. I've never seen a more a more visually just like stunning film. Yeah, I, you know, looking at the prior work of the director, you know, it was, what was it, Blade Runner 2054. Mm-hmm. He did The Arrival. Just looking at the style and the pacing of those films, I'm like, this guy's going to crush it. And I was expectations met <laughs> yeah, it was fun yeah i think we we'll transition here to the next question but i think <laughs> the next they've got a tight timeline they're starting production as we speak which will be my guess six to nine months and then a year of post-production they're they're set to release the second one i think it's late 2023 i think the only thing they screwed up on is they should have taken a page out of lord of the rings and all those movies do it all now don't stop film it all the way through don't play games with the actors and actresses get it done um well i said the same thing and i looked into that denny did state that he did not he was not given the budget he was told by producers you are to make Mm -hmm. only one we are not shooting multiple at once because this is such a in other words and i know you love the previous ones but a lot of producers said the track record of this film has been a flop (laughs) well do you remember the sci-fi channel version i had somebody hand me the dvd and said watch it i put it on for five minutes and i had to turn it off it's so bad (laughs) so bad it looked like early doctor who where you could see the set move and everything but that one actually if you if you like the books that one is true to the story they followed the storyline in that one so that's where they they benefited where the 1984 version did not he they took a lot of liberties you know, someday I, I hope to do a podcast strictly on movies, how I structure it to make it different than what's out there. Uh, not sure yet, but my gosh, to talk about Dune and where it can go and, you know, because it's uh, apparently it's um, it's a novel or series of novels. There's multiple books. There's like six, I think. Could be wrong on that. But anyway. Well, because John Hebert's son started or Frank Hebert's son's name right. is John. I think it's John. He started writing books based on the story that his father and, and the running joke with the first Dune book is if you can get through the first hundred pages, it's an amazing book. The first hundred pages, he fleshes out an entire political religious system. Mm. So it can get like people get like, this is brutal. It is brutal. <laughs> but right. after that first hundred pages, you're good. You're in. You're in. Sweet. All right. We got an easy one here. What is your favorite food? Um, that's not easy. That's not easy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a meat eater. I, I, I can't deny that. I, I think if, if I was sitting at it, it, it would just be, you know, I love Steak. a good New York strip. I love New York strip. That's my favorite cut is New York strip. But that fat back on the side of it, I love that New York strip. There you go. Can't argue. All right. And how many hours of sleep do you get each night? If I get six, I'm doing good. Okay. Um, what's your workout regimen? Uh, yard, yard work and chasing children. <laughs> yard work and chasing children. A lot of functional movements. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, 
I'm always moving. I'm always doing something. Sure, sure. Right on. All right. And the last question here is the time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I would probably, you know, go to young me just getting into the Marine Corps, regular paycheck me. And uh, I would probably talk to me about investing. And, and, you know, we joked around about the Apple piece to it all. But, you know, that would be one of those things. It would be the stop, stop worrying about the six inches in front of you and look down that road. Right. Because if I'd, I, I know at my age, if I'd have got into the Apple piece, because Apple computers were still the big box with the color backside to it in schools was mostly Apple at that time. Right. No one saw it as much more than that. I would probably go back and tell me, like, look at that. You know, this right. is this is where you can start putting money away very easily. That or Bitcoin, one or the other. Pick it. That's been a response I've heard a few times. Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> Eight, $8 a coin. I, I think I'd be doing okay today. Yeah, right. All right. And you have a podcast. So why don't you tell the audience, where can they reach you? Maybe tell us about your podcast. Take a minute or two here if you'd like. Absolutely. So my podcast is the Above the Bar podcast. And it's, you know, we had you on, Sean, with been about three weeks ago, I believe it was. And the idea is it's human interest, who you are, what you do, and what makes you great but told at that bar top level. So instead of having a conversation where you have to go so deep dive into what somebody does, it's more like somebody leans over at you at the bar and says, well, what do you do for a living? And we have that conversation and we're on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, all of those locations are the above the bar podcast or email is the above the bar podcast at gmail.com every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then if you're not into watching the video and you just want to listen to the audio side, which I I like that myself, you can find us on, I kid you not, every platform that carries a podcast, it is there. You just nice. type in the Above the Bar podcast. It, it'll be a sketch drawing of me and a circle design. It says the Above the Bar podcast. Nice. And to the listeners out there, seriously, Sean is a good host. A lot of good questions, thoughtful. He listens. Um, you don't always see that. I'm, I've been on a lot of shows and there's people who are just going through the motions and following their script, if they say, but uh, you are you are definitely not that. So anybody out there, I definitely recommend his podcast. It's good. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. It was fun. We had a good time. Yeah. We a couple, couple of left turns there. We were into other stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> had a bourbon or two and we're off and running. <laughs> That's it. I always tell people, we're going to make left turns today. I yes. promise you I'll get back to your topic, but we're going to make left turn. Absolutely. Well, great. This was really helpful. Thank you for sharing your background and, and your investing journey, Sean. Thanks for having me, Sean. I appreciate that. Sean, it was great talking to you, Sean. Sean and Sean. Sean and Sean. Indeed. All right. We'll have you on again, I'm sure, sometime in the near future. See ya. Sounds like a plan. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest's story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions. 
based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya.